So I was particularly thrilled to see a movie with my daughter over the weekend. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. Uh, she had called me Friday night and said, hey, I want to go. I want to go see this movie. She's super sweet woman, just a great mom. And she is uh, always in, in, involved in, in active anything where she can help people. Uh, she's there. When we had Hurricane Ian, her and her boyfriend were traveling all, all over the place, getting air conditioners and actually driving across the strait and bringing them back so that people without air or people without generators that couldn't go over there. And she would bring them back for her friends and friends of friends and just just a super terrific woman, very compassionate. And so when she called me and said, I want to go see that new movie, Sound of Freedom, you know, of course, I was enthusiastic. But I said, well, let's go on Saturday because Saturday is just a better day and it'll be the middle of the day and it'll just be nicer and maybe not as busy. So we went and, and we both knew going in what the movie was about. Uh, me having been involved early on in promoting it and talking about it and bringing awareness to this, what's well, not a very pretty topic. It's interesting when you talk to people, they don't want to talk about child sex trafficking. They, it's not something that you bring up at parties, as Jim Caviezel says at the end of the movie. It's not pretty talk. It's a, it's a stark reality. It, you know, we also don't talk about a lot of the things in our in our society, uh, the uh, the porn industry, and you know what it's done to our young people. I mean, young people now. You see, if you are on Instagram or, I don't go to TikTok because I just don't think I need one more, but I do like to see what's going on. And I, I do get a lot of entertainment out of some of the more creative aspects of, of Twitter or Getter, which is my favorite. I'm on Twitter and Getter and that's it. And I just like to read what people do, but you know, different people do th different things. And what I'm noticing is that there are a lot of younger people and they, they're not bashful. They're not shy about what they do. And it's, it's shocking to me. Uh, and I wish that social, if social media wants to do anything, they should put in some strict limitations on what can, can be done by, by minors on Instagram. Uh, and it's not that hard to put in some regulations that if there's any kind of, I mean, if, they, if they're trying to eliminate hate speech, which I'm, I'm against because, you know, who decides what's hate speech, right? You know, uh, but we all know when we see young children acting inappropriately or being sexually suggestive and you know that that kid and then they even have a thing on Instagram. If you want to find out more adult content, don't do it. This is what feeds the sex trade. Things on TikTok, the kids do. That's what's feeding partly the sex trade. We have to stop it. We can't tolerate it. I mean, if everybody is so morally outraged by the virtuous signaling and the protection of transgenders, why don't we just try to protect the regular old young people who are normal? Why aren't they equally precious? And uh, particularly, I don't see that much, and I don't know why it is, but I hardly ever see any African-American content on Instagram. Why is that? I mean, it's not like I clicked off a bunch of topics. Why don't I see creative art artistry coming 
from it. I, I do see a little bit of it, but not very much. Mostly it's old TV shows from Seinfeld, comedy drops, a lot of music on drummers. I didn't sign up for any of this. So there's some sort of algorithm that hunts people down and tries them to, to steer them down this aisle. And I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's by design and I'm sure it's by algorithms and statistical analysis and whatever tools they use to try to make a psychological profile of who I am. And then they feed that interest. Um, and so my point is, is that because of the, the, the porn industry, because of the, the social media distribution platforms that are out there, I think all of this has fueled our worse nature, natures. And, um, and that's why I think we have the problem that we're having. And we just heard this over the weekend, this horrible story about this man who lived a perfectly normal life. You know, he's in his late 50s, worked for, I think, an insurance company or something. I'm not sure. And he could have killed 10 people, and nobody even knew, and they were all in his own neighborhood. And they just found the guy, or they think they found the guy. And so, but, and what's my point? You know, that the the bad man is leaking, uh, lurking in the shadows, Oh, yeah, he sure is. And it's being fueled by this this kind of warped version of what... So, did you and I ever imagine what social media would become today? I'd say 80% of it is worthless. 80% is worthless, and yet we all stare into it constantly. We constantly have to check our email. We constantly have to update things and update our computers and update, update, update. Everything is updating all the time. Enter in your password, update. What a waste of time. I wonder how long the internet social media uh, fascination will continue to arrest our, our attention in this society. You think it'll ever become passe? I think it will. I think that people are starting to realize now it's an empty hole. It is a bottomless pit of nothingness. There are great things about the internet. You can get good information if it's not filtered or biased. Used to be you could go on Wikipedia and you could be fairly certain that if you asked it a question, you were going to get an answer that was based on fact and not some political uh, twist. There's the information, there's the distribution, the ability to get things moved uh, quickly and shipped. That's all great. But when it comes to the social media aspect, it actually illustrates our worst characters. Now, there are a lot of people that try to use it for good. For example, Jim Cavizio can get the word out about uh, sex trafficking of minors. Great thing. But you know what? Why did it take a movie? And why did Disney sit on a movie for five years? It could accomplish the same goal. They could have scored a hit run. They could have hit a home run with this one. What if Disney, instead of going in the direction of grooming our children and making them tolerant of binary uh, animation figures and having two animated dolls kiss each other that are the same doll sex? Why, instead of putting all that energy into LGBTQ advocacy, why didn't they, uh, why didn't they do Sound of Freedom? You know, or movies that that play to our better characters. Historically, you know, when I was a young, I would watch. Remember that Fred McMurray, "Follow Me, Boys." You remember old Yeller? Remember old everybody? Every kid I knew 
watched Old Yeller. And believe it or not, those, those old movies taught us things about morality and character. And it was at a time when more and more mommies were working, TV dinners, dads working. And so Disney did a great service for many, many years, decades. They introduced children to a lot of thought-provoking, character-developing ideas. And then something happened. Something happened in the, um, I don't know, 90s, when they started opening the door and becoming more tolerant. And I remember I was in high school and they were announcing that they were having gay night at Disney. This is 1979, people. 1979. Right around the, the time the AIDS ep epidemic was just exploding. And I remember the kids my age were completely tolerant. We were cool with that. I knew a couple of kids in high school that were gay that went to it. Everything was fine. But it seems like right after that point, it's kind of like with the Catholic Church. Right after they started letting gay priests in, things started going awry. Or maybe things were always awry and we just didn't know it. But here we are in the modern age and we're dealing with Several issues. We've got addiction issues. We've got, you know, the the the, the two-minute infomercial they showed before Sound of Freedom that was produced by some company was talking about children and self-harm. And I think you know, it was about depression of children. And I think that it was targeted with a, uh, with an underlying message about transgenderism. They were trying to sneak one in. They're trying to sneak in their wokeism. But they did it under the pretext of self-harm and knowing the symptoms. You know, by the end of by the end of the 2030s, I bet you every adult in America will be on some sort of mind-altering drug. Courtesy of your local pharmacy, Walgreens. And so movies like Sound of Freedom are supposed to change the course, change the direction of society for the better. It's supposed to open us up just like there were roots Roots in the 1970s was the wake-up call to everybody. It just just a reminder that that our our past was was not so great, and we need to I don't want to say atone, but recognize that we could never let that happen again. And yet here we are in the 2030s, and there are more slaves on this planet than even during the time of slavery, and they're either women or they're children. And it's not necessarily tied to one racial group either. Yeah, these are dark times, but they're also challenging times for people who are not afraid to stand up. And that's what Jim Caviezel was trying to teach us in that movie. Well, this is going to do it for yours truly. I'll leave you with this. I'll be back tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific, right here on CRNTalk.com. Speaking out, America. Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Hotline. If you are obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, 6. If you're delusional, press 7, and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen carefully, and a small voice will tell you which number to press. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I am JR. Don't forget... You can tune in 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday at Pacific Time and also 5 to 6 p.m. for our replay. Again, Pacific Time for Speaking Out America. 
where we tackle and talk about the issues that actually concern you and have a big impact on your life. And um, I know that crime is up. You know that crime is up. Um, it's it's horrific what we're seeing play out in our country today, and a lot of it points to the top. We have an administration that is soft on crime, but they seem to be hard on uh, having the ability for us to protect themselves. And we're going to be bringing on a man who knows what he's talking about. And he works with a great organization out of the Northwest. I know them well. Alan Gottlieb, chairman of the Citizens Commission for the Rights to Keep and Bear Arms, is a man behind a great organization. And one of its members is Cam Edwards, who also has a website, which you probably know about, bearingarms.com. So let's talk about, first of all, welcome to the program, Cam. Tell us about this failed... Yeah, it's good to have you. Very well aware of your website. You have a great website. You keep people up to date on what's happening, uh, particularly on Second Amendment issues. And it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 I always tell my listeners that the best defense is to read. Read everything you can. Be a vociferous. If you're standing in the line somewhere, you're in a Chick-fil-A line, and you know you got 20 minutes, whip out your phone and read something. Read something. Knowledge is power. So tell us about this initiative that failed miserably in Washington State. Yeah, so there's actually, you know, the the initiative has been going on for about a decade here where uh, Washington State Democrats have tried to enact a series, and they've been successful, frankly, in enacting a series of gun control restrictions, including this ballot measure called uh, Initiative 1619, which uh, set up a, you know, sort of a a de facto ban on uh, the sale of new quote-unquote assault weapons um and instituted a host of other restrictions on law-abiding gun owners right and and again as you say the idea was well if we crack down on the law-abiding then it's going to be harder for criminals to get a hold of guns there'll be less crime uh and instead the opposite has happened right the, the criminals are still empowered the criminals are still emboldened violent crime has risen almost every year in washington state since these gun control measures were put into effect and yet the Washington state legislature just keeps doubling down, right? So this year they passed a ban on so-called large capacity magazines, which is being challenged in court. Uh, and again, it's going to be the lawful gun owner, the responsible gun owner, the person who wants uh, and frankly needs, uh, you know, to, to have more than 10 rounds for self-defense. Those are the folks who are going to be harmed by these proposals and are being harmed by these proposals. Well, we know that in a lot of places like San Francisco, where they have strict gun control laws, in Chicago, certainly a good example, New York, a great example, in L.A., there's just four cities right there that have seen double-digit increases in homicide and violent crime over the last three years. A lot of it probably to do with the unsettledness of our economy. But in these areas where gun control laws are stricter than in most places, that's where we're seeing the violence. What's the correlation? Why, why is that? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, it's not uh, just one factor that goes into play in, in terms of violent crime, right? There, there are a lot of things. And I think that a lot of it, crime is local. So we're talking in any given city about, generally speaking, a fairly small group of people who are committed a disproportionate amount of violent crime. Um, but the problem is that these gun control laws don't really touch these violent actors, right? Uh, the penalty for violating Washington State's magazine ban, for example, is a misdemeanor offense. Well, what armed robber is going to be dissuaded? What carjacker is going to decide, ah, oh, you know what, I'm going to keep going because I don't want to risk this misdemeanor charge when they're already out there committing violent felony offenses? So all too often what happens is these gun control laws end up being dangled as plea bargain bait. 
So you can have somebody who's charged with a number of violent felonies, and they're allowed to plead down to possession of a quote-unquote large-capacity magazine, right, or, or some other nonviolent possessory offense, rather than putting a violent offender behind bars, they're given a slap on the wrist, they're sent back out on the streets, where far too often they go on to commit more serious crimes. And, and so in a way, these gun control laws don't just target the law-abiding, but they enable violent criminals as well. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of people that sit and watch TV and they soak it in and they take in what ABC or NBC would tells them and they use the terminology gun violence is up. So naturally, every compassionate viewer is sitting there dismayed at the at, at somebody getting shot, a mass shooting, which we're hearing about more and more. So naturally, they think, well, if we just control the guns, then we'll control the violence. And that's that's what they're told to believe. But what you're saying, what others have said, is that that what it does is, it, like you say, it's this simple. It removes the guns from the people who want to protect themselves, and it does nothing to deal with the violent offenders who have the guns, illegally in most cases. So yeah, I, and this is something that we're seeing time again. And you're, and you're right. I mean, it is such a simple narrative, right? Well, if we want to combat gun violence, we need more tools, more laws in place to, to go after uh, these people who are legally using guns. But then you start looking at the data, and it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Uh, in Washington, D.C., for example, more than half of the arrests for illegally carrying a gun, those charges are dismissed. They never even go to trial. Uh, the same thing is happening in Philadelphia, where the district attorney, Larry Krasner, after this mass shooting a couple weeks ago, turned around and said, we don't have enough laws on the books. Well, he's not enforcing the laws that are already in place. Yeah. You have a better-than-average chance of, of walking away scot-free if you're caught carrying a gun without a license in Philadelphia. Um, you know, so the, the, the truth is that it's a little more complicated than saying, well, we just need these laws on the books. We need to talk about what these prosecutors are doing in these Democrat-dominated cities to, again, uh, allow for these repeat offenders to go on and, and continue to inflict such misery in their communities. You know, what's a shame is that you have the George Soros-backed, uh, what's his name, down in L.A., uh, Castro. Oh, George Gascon. Gas yeah. Gascon. And, and he... <laughs> You know that crime is going to continue to rise as they get rid of no bail. There's no bail now uh, or no, no cash bail. So they, they get charged. They're out on the street the next day. And now you've got the homeless problem. And it almost seems like a conspiracy of sorts because the more violence there is in the streets, the more people like you and me are, are going to be swayed into you know endorsing these new federal mandates that the Biden administration wants to initiate. These, uh, the you know, the, the slippery slope to taking our guns away. Uh, and it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down, which is another reason why this man needs to be removed from office. You've got a website. It's uh, www.saf.org. And it is for the Second Amendment uh, Foundation. Again, a wonderful organization. Alan Gottlieb has been doing this for a long, long time. Uh, what else? We, we've got about a minute. Is there anything else that you want to bring to the attention of the audience today? You know, I would just say that uh, you're absolutely right that this is ramping up. Uh, we've got a bill that's being rushed into law in Massachusetts right now. Even the police chiefs, uh, you know, who normally are pretty silent on this stuff, are starting to speak out and say this is going to turn thousands of law-abiding citizens into felons overnight. Um, that is the goal, right? It's not to reduce crime. It's actually to create crime out of law-abiding citizens. That's what the gun control groups are doing. That's what we're fighting at the Second Amendment Foundation. And we need everybody's help at this point. So I would encourage folks uh, to go to saf.org, 
sign up, become a member, help support the litigation that we've got going on around the country. And let's stand up and protect our right to keep and bear arms. I agree with you 100%. Cam Edwards, great writer, too. Check out his website, uh, bearingarms.com. It is a great website. Uh, favorite it. Look for it. I hope that uh, you have also distributors who carry your articles. I think I see them. Sometimes I'll see them on conservativesnews.com and so forth. So keep up the good work, Cam, and we'll, we'll have you back on again real soon, okay? Great. Thanks so much. Have a good day. All right. That's uh, Cam Edwards. Once again, from BearingArms.com and w, or SAF.org. Favorite those websites. And coming up, more thoughts on Sound of Freedom and uh, an interesting story about a woman who died a horrible way. Uh, but but i got to share it with you because it's just so weird. We'll be back in just a moment. Violence is soaring. Americans now consider guns the top public health threat in the country, topping fentanyl and opioids. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. We're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years, and we're acting on their advice. 